You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow, as it assumes you have the necessary training, qualifications and experience to understand the concepts discussed as well as the technical language used. If you still decide to listen, please understand the information contained in this recording is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Any scenarios considered during this podcast are purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. The idea of living overseas in retirement can appeal to many retirees. In fact, according to Centrelink, approximately 96,000 people live overseas and receive a social security payment, with the majority receiving the age pension. If they want to receive the Australian age pension overseas, there are a number of social security rules that need to be taken into consideration. I'm Craig Day, I'm head of the First Tech team, and here to talk to me about these rules is Kim Guest. Hi, Kim. Hi, Craig. Now, I'm someone that's just retired, mm-hmm. and I, let's say, was born on a Greek island or in Italy um, or in maybe Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan or somewhere like that, and I've immigrated to Australia, but I want to go home, okay? I want to spend my retirement back in my ancestral home. Yep. So what are the rules about receiving an age pension if I do decide to go and live overseas? Well, the good news is that the age pension is what's known as a portable payment. So while not all Social Security payments are portable, most of them aren't, but the age pension is a portable payment, which means, generally speaking, you can be paid it even if you live permanently overseas. Right. So so there's different rules around temporary. So I can decide that I want to go and live for, let's say, 18 months, but I certainly I very much intend to come back to Australia, mm. or I'm moving over permanently. Even if I move over permanently, I still get to keep my Australian Yeah, that's pension. right. So even if you move over permanently, there are some rules that we're going to talk about in terms of how much you might get paid over there. But um, generally speaking, you can permanently take your age pension overseas. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's start off with the rules if they do go overseas temporarily. What are they? Yeah, so if somebody goes overseas temporarily um, for up to six weeks, they usually get the same rate of age pension that they would get in Australia paid to them while they're overseas. So um, even the pension supplements and the energy supplement is still payable to them when they're temporarily overseas for up to six weeks. But if they go overseas for more than six weeks, um, after six weeks, some of the payments reduce, such as the pension supplement goes down to the basic rate and also the energy supplement stops being paid. Right. So let's say, for example, you've got someone moving back overseas. Maybe they've got family still over there. Maybe you know someone's passed away and they're going to be there for an extended period. Um, their amount of age pension that they will be receiving will actually drop if it's going to be more than six weeks that they're away. Yeah. If, it, if it's more than six weeks, some of the supplements um, reduce. And then if it's more than 26 weeks, then we start to talk about proportional portability. Right. So, but if it's under six weeks... So Mm -hmm. almost like a holiday or a short trip to do whatever you need to do. It's not going to impact your client's age pension. That's right. And actually it says on the Centrelink website that um, you're only required to tell Centrelink if you're going overseas for six weeks or more. Oh, okay. Terrific. Okay, so what if they're leaving Australia for more than 26 weeks? So they're going to be away for six months or more. Yeah, so in that case, um, if they're going to be overseas for more than 26 weeks, um, proportional portability comes into play. Proportional portability looks at how much age pension they can get um, 
outside of the 26-week period, and it's based on their working life residence in Australia. Mm -hmm. So working life residence in Australia means how many years did they live in Australia between the ages of 16 and age pension age. If they lived in Australia for more than 35 years, then they're allowed to continue to receive the full age pension when they're overseas for more than 26 weeks, no problem. But if they resided in Australia for less than 35 years between the ages of 16 and age pension age, then their rate of age pension is going to be reduced when they're right. overseas. So someone that came to Australia very young, so mm -hmm. let's say they're, they're a migrant, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a migrant. It could be yeah. someone that's decided to, you know, born in Australia, grew up in Australia, everything in Australia, but then decided to mm. move to a cheaper part of the world to be able to afford retirement better, I suppose, or someone that was born overseas and then came to Australia, as long as they've done between 16 and what age did you say? 16 and age pension 16 age. and age pension age. So if they've got 35 years. years, they can move overseas. They're not going to see a reduction other than those, those supplements, supplements and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but if I, let's say I've done 17 and a half years in Australia. Yeah. Then what happens there? Because it's half of the 35 years, the proportional portability says you'll only get half of your age pension payable to you when you're overseas outside of that 26-week period. Right. So that, that's more likely those people that have immigrated to Australia mm. um, later in life. Yeah. Um, and that we really need to have a look at that to understand yeah. um, what would be the impact on their age pension. Okay. So are there any other requirements that need to be met if receiving the age pension overseas? Yeah, so a new piece of legislation has just um, been passed, which is uh, a proof of life certificate for people who are residing overseas and, and receiving an age pension. And what this does is it says if you're over age 80 and you're receiving the age pension overseas, you actually have to get a little certificate that says you're still alive and it has to be signed by like a doctor or a judge or a, some, an embassy official. Um, and that has to be submitted to Centrelink every two years to prove that you're still alive. And the reason why this requirement's come in is because they found that people who were overseas receiving the age pension were living a lot longer than people in Australia <laughs> receiving the age pension, which was a little bit suspicious. And they suspect that it's because their deaths aren't being reported promptly to Centrelink and those payments are continuing to be paid after right. they die. Right. So now there is a requirement that they actually have to provide a proof of life certificate to say they're still alive so they can continue to receive so the age it's, pension. So it's that. Not, not that just moving back to a Greek island or wherever is actually... In extends your life probably not well it There's, might be that yeah. but it could be <laughs> it might not be too yeah. yeah okay so what if they don't have the required amount of residence in australia and they're granted the age pension under an international agreement so what happens there yeah, so the general requirement to be eligible for the age pension is that um, you have 10 years residence in Australia. Um, and if you have that 10 years residence in Australia, then you can be granted the age pension autonomously and that's fine. But if you don't have 10 years residence in Australia, you may be able to be granted the age pension under an international agreement if you're a resident of an agreement country. Mm -hmm. and Australia's got about 30-something agreements with different countries around the world. If you're granted the age pension under that international agreement, and then you decide to go back overseas again, um, it's really important that you get some advice regarding whether you can take that age pension that's granted under the agreement overseas. All the agreements are different, have different um, what you're allowed to do and who, which country is um, the one that's paying the payment to you. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really important that you contact the international service section of Centrelink and go through that client situation with them to make sure that they can actually still continue to receive the age pension yeah. when they do depart. Sounds really quite complicated with all those different countries. So. Um, 
Um, what would one of the countries be? So UK, if you qualify? Actually, UK is the one that um, we used to have an agreement with a long time ago and ah, it's been cancelled yes, back in 2002. And so now people from the UK cannot be granted under an international ah, agreement. Right. They have to have uh, And I think that was to do, what, what did they do? The UK wouldn't index the pension payments? Yes, and we, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah they, they refused to index the pension. So we were indexing a, instead and yeah, then the government said, said no, no more. That's yeah. it, we're not having an okay. agreement anymore. But there's a lot of other countries, um, United States, um, a lot of the European countries that we have. Probably New Zealand with. would be. New Zealand, yeah. definitely, yeah. 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 Okay. And are there any other rules we need to be aware of? Yeah, there is this um, this rule that you need to be aware of that's quite difficult to, um, to apply to different situations, and it's something called the former resident rule. And this rule says that if you have a client who is living permanently overseas and then they think, oh, now I've turned age pension age, I'll come back to Australia and I'll claim the age pension and then I'll nick off back overseas again. They have a rule that says you can't actually do that. So if you're a, if you're a former resident of Australia and you come back to Australia to claim the age pension, you actually have to stay in Australia for two years before you can then go back overseas again permanently. Right. So, um, and even temporarily, your pension can be suspended if you temporarily go overseas within that two-year period. So, the rules are quite complex. They look at a lot of things like whether your intention is to permanently reside here or permanently reside overseas. Yeah. They look at accommodation, family relationships, frequency of travel. There's all these tests that they look at. But basically, just um, just remember that if you've got a client who's living overseas and they're coming back to get their age pension and go overseas again, there is an issue there that there they do need issue. to look at. Okay, so Kim, certainly if we've got clients that want to move overseas, they've already qualified for the age pension, certainly there's the ability to do that. Um, there's some complications around it, especially if they've, uh, if they've qualified for a pension overseas at some point in time. Um, so they can do it. There's some complications around it. They may need to go and see Centrelink to get some assistance around that. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, it's, it's an option for yeah, them. Yeah, for most people who are just eligible for the age pension without an international agreement and residing in Australia, they can then move overseas permanently and get the age pension. So Terrific. Good. Okay, thanks, Kim. Thanks very much, Craig. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please remember, these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, you need to remember that any scenarios considered during this podcast were for purely hypothetical and illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. And finally, you should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decision and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be reliable and accurate, no person including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited or Commonwealth Bank Group of Companies accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.